see some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Guy. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. Spit. It's the Spit Podcast where we try to say the phrase yeah, guy in a bunch of different ways. It is Thursday morning. It's 10.07 a.m. Here in Southern California, we are broadcasting live from the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center Library and Conference Room. And I welcome the host of the show, David Lee Scales. Good morning. Co-host. Co-host. Thank you, though. Uh, yeah, thanks, Scott. Good to see you again. And welcome back to you. I would argue this is no longer the library and conference room. This is the podcast studio. Is it? I'd say so. What happened to the camera thing? Are you over the camera thing? or January. 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 I'm into the camera thing, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's a matter of um, workload. Like, getting the cameras kind of not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, setting them up, not that big of a deal. What are we going to do with that file once we're done recording? It's a nightmare. Post, post-production. <laughs> I, we used to do it at Surfer. I have all of the Surfer ones. We filmed them. Yeah. And I have them. And, but I do know that the post-production was a major... And we didn't even do any post-production. We just took the file and put it online and said, that's it. You know? so we even, didn't have an opener or anything. That's a thing. I'd like to do it right if we're going to do it. So one thing would just be to take a stagnant camera angle and post it on YouTube. And But I think the right way to do it would be three cameras. So one tight on you, one tight on me, and one stagnant wide shot. And then just cut in between those shots as uh, someone's talking. Ideally, you would then be able to cut away to footage that we're talking about if we can sort out that licensing. But um, even without the footage, if it was just us talking, it would be worth doing with the three camera angles. Cutting all that in post-production will take a lot more time. It'd be better to get somebody here who can cut it on the fly and then just have a file when we're done, upload that. Even just uploading it and kind of tagging it correctly and disseminating, like sending it out to everybody and through social media would take a tremendous amount of time. Just the publishing you know, part. You're you're absolutely right. So and basically, we're at this place where, or I guess I should say, you are. I guess I am. I don't know, but you're you get to that place where you're like, you know what? We need funding. Like we're yeah. you're about to take the next step, and you need a full time producer. Yep. And a full time producer is going to be. You can get a young kid in here, twenty five years old for I don't know what the number is, but so that means that you're probably going to need. I'm going to say 50,000 bucks a year to cover expenses, to cover his salary, to cover... That's assuming he's a full-time employee. Um, and so you have to go, look, Visla or whoever it is, I need you to step up now. This thing's going to blow up. You're going to put it on YouTube, obviously. It's going to go crazy. And... and But in, it's kind of like the cart, you know, the chicken and the egg, you know, the, or the cart before the horse. Like, what... Who's going to man up here? Because we're going to need the egg before the chicken. Mm-hmm. And so I think that lifelong thing where you're going to need an investor or a sponsor or somebody that's going to see the vision and go, look, this guy's been doing Surf Splendor, the podcast network. You've proven growth. And now we're at this place where like, jump on board with me. I'm about to take off. Yeah. 
And somebody like a Vistle, like Paul, or somebody's going to have enough discretionary marketing dollars to go, David wants X. I think we can do that. Let's go with this. Let's see where this takes us. And and then you can bring on that producer, and all of a sudden, you're up into Rogan land. You know? Or the one I really like, which I told you about, is Fantasy Footballers, the oh, Fantasy yeah. Footballers podcast on YouTube. Um, but there's a million examples out there, right? That's the thing. We would just be, we're not inventing the wheel here. No. We're just replicating what's been done outside the surf industry, and there's a number of models to follow. But I don't think, honestly, I like what you're saying. You're right. If we did it that way, we'd be up and running in a month. That'd be fine. I think the more kind of prudent and measured approach would be um, get a passionate 25-year-old like you're talking about. Just pay him a day rate for one day to come in and do it the day that we record. So it's not a huge salary. And then, Yeah, but you've got three shows. I know. Yeah, I know. But then, I mean, if you but just it's chose like having, one show, if you chose one show to do it with, as a big, as a soft launch, yeah, that's true. So what I was thinking is, we have kind of uh, outside surf industries now dollars kind of coming in at a relative, you know, a slow number, but still just using that incremental investment to then reinvest into somebody like that and the equipment, knowing that we can place more advertising on those shows and then just utilize the income that come or the revenue that comes in to continue growing it organically. That feels safer to me. I think if you produce a visual sales deck that you can send out to your people, to your relationships and go, look, look, you're going to be frigging all over this thing. Yeah. Like there's going to be a huge Visla sign behind us and we're going to be wearing Visla clothes and you know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm you're going to get some some people on board. Yeah. And I'm sure maybe Eric and those guys over there would be into it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, they're getting somebody, a lot of play on this show today. They are. <laughs> I know. Um, uh, well, at any rate, do you listen to, speaking of things that have nothing to do with surfing that uh, we catch up on. Yes. You listen to Dolly Parton's America? Oh, my God, dude. I'm fully into it's it. It's good. Huh? I'm fully caught up. Are you? Oh, yeah. yeah I'm waiting great. for the next episode. Me too. Dolitics. Dollywood. <laughs> Dolly How good Land. is that? It's great. Dolly ticks. It's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's really good. good. Yeah, I like it too. Yeah. They do a good job. That guy does a, a good job. He's the It's interesting finest. the way that he runs around with the camera on and, and he goes, right now I'm running down the stairs. Or, or you know, like he'll kind of like tell you what he's doing or the, the sounds that you're hearing. Like he's... Mm -hmm. yeah, Did you ever listen to Radio Lab? No. That is, um, that's his original show and he got like the MacArthur grant to do it. Like he started doing it out of uh, WNYC. And it was early days, like when you were starting podcasting, like one of the first podcasts. And it was so good. His He focuses a lot on just audio production, you know, layering in all of these sounds that he's grabbing off the street and stuff. Um, and then even doing sound design, like uh, scoring episodes, like hiring a band or a choir to come in and like score a section of the episode. And... So we got the MacArthur Fellowship where they're just like, here's a grant for you to just kind of pursue your life's, your art's work, your art. And um, so we did that, was in, able to invest in Radiolab, and that's become like a really, really good and popular you know, early pioneer of podcasting. What what comes to mind when we were talking about post-production is actually pre-production, which we don't do very much no. of at all. But for instance, like we're going to talk about Jack Robinson today, right? And there's a ton of of stuff out there of him speaking oh, from yeah. his last victory where if you had a producer, you'd be like, okay, let's cut to that bit. And we would literally listen to Jack going, yeah, beer's on me or whatever he's going to say after his win at sunset. Even or you might hear from Zeke Loud going, that was lame or whatever you're going to hear. 
all that pre-production stuff is another example of I mean, you the would, quality going through the roof. Create a package. You'd create a three-minute introduction package that gives Jack Robinson's backstory with all those audio clips that you're talking about. And the thing is, he's been on camera since he was seven years old. Yeah. So you'd have so much stuff to pull from. But, but specifically also, for news stories, though, you're just going to like grab this thirty-second yeah. snippet of his acceptance speech or whatever. Totally. Well, let's get into it. I mean, actually. Um, the sunset, I mean, we could do a full episode on the sunset comp. The sunset comp is that exciting. It's that there's that much going on. There's that many ramifications for uh, qualification for next year's tour, all that sort of stuff. There's so much happening in the lineup in any given heat. There's just, it's the best event of the year, maybe. It's so good. It's not better than Pipe, but it's so good. Yeah, the more the, the more everyone understands the backstory that you mentioned, the, the, the deeper it is for sure. Yeah. Do you want to get into Sunset? <laughs> or do you have other stuff? Do you have other stuff? Um, no, no, we can get into it. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, you know, what can you say? <laughs> Jack was just incredible, right? Jack Robinson was just incredible. Like, it was kind of otherworldly. It was as if he was at the box or something. Like, he really picked the eyes out of the, the heats, especially the final. And it so- was just mind-blowing so jack is we don't see this very often he's like a savant level surfer that has attunement with the ocean to a degree that is difficult to define you cannot tell me how he got those waves during the final without priority while everybody else let them go well like it's something to do with attunement it's something that we've seen kelly have we've seen tom curran have exactly those two guys um i I I mean they talked about it on the the broadcast a little bit, right? Especially Ross, that he spends a lot. You, you got to spend a lot of time out there. Not a lot of guys spend a lot of time at Sunset Beach. They're like, oh yeah, the condos, they put on their jersey, they paddle out, they surf it. But what he has... Jack Robinson's spending a lot of time and that's the kind of thing, just like at any spot where you're like, oh, these guys don't realize that this is going to double up and wedge up right here. And I see this a lot because I surf out here a lot and I know that they think this isn't even a wave and it's about to bubble up in front of me. And so I think that I'm not disagreeing with you. I think there is a savant quality. I think there is something about, you know, this sort of ethereal package that comes to him. But but for sure, time in the water out there helps a lot. But there's guys who spend as much time and there's guys that spend more time and they don't find those waves out there. So yeah. there's something else going on. Yeah. And I and it could just be that his skill level is greater than theirs. So the waves that he's going on are ones that they wouldn't be able to make look that way. They wouldn't be taking off as deep. Maybe, maybe his commitment. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but it is remarkable to see. And it's what's undefinable. Uh, like we watch. Look, Gabriel Medina has two world titles. Gabriel Medina is a phenomenal athlete, surfer, all, the, all those things. He doesn't have that. You know. And he'll make scores out of waves that other people wouldn't necessarily make but there's a lack of magic magic with certain with most people you know like the the, whatever it is that i'm trying to define again you could count on one hand the surfers in the world that have had that over the years um and it we saw it with jack at the I'm trying to remember the three guys. The three you mentioned are for sure kelly tom and and tom they're all regular rabbit might have had a little bit of that Really? Maybe. Well, there's something I've heard stories about Rabbit paddling out like they would have that Billabong challenge thing and it would be like flat and he would be like, we got to run this event. And he would like paddle out 
when it's flat and just sit there and like sets would just start to come. Really? Yeah. It's like been said that he kind of willed it to happen. I remember reading a story about that once hmm. where Rabbit well, just willed this thing to happen. Like Jack McCoy and everyone, they're going to pack up and leave. And he's like, no, it's going to happen. I promise you. Yeah, yeah. Well, we saw it with Jack at the box earlier this year. Um, same thing, kind of as the final of Sunset, where he got multiple nines. He was throwing away high eights, you know, and Felipe couldn't get a wave, basically. And Felipe was scared, that's why. But So that was a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but we've also had pinned a lot of hopes and potential on Jack Robinson since he was seven or eight years old. And so I'm thrilled to see him actually finally deliver on those goods. He's been in contention to qualify for the last three or four years or something like that. And um, we're, we weren't quite sure what was falling apart. And it was like maybe his small wave game isn't good and the QS is a lot of small waves. So it doesn't really suit Jack. But his small wave game is pretty good. And the, the high-ranked events, he does well in. So he could have just qualified based on his, you know, 10,000. But, but he barely squeaked in. I know. Like, I'm, I, I, it wouldn't be a stretch to say he's peaked right by now. qualifying and he'll be one and done. No, because I'm not there's saying so that's many good waves happen. on tour. I know. I agree. I have them written out. I've got, I've got questions for you about which events you think he's going to win. But yeah. luckily, like, there's some pretty good waves on tour next year. And yeah. so if the swell's there, he's got a good chance. But... But also, if you look at his past, we've, for the last three years, we're like going, just put him on the tour, you know, right. make him even qualify because he's not going to because his small wave game isn't really there. I'm not saying he's not a great surfer. I'm just saying so you got to be at the level of Felipe and some of these Brazilian kids to qualify in the QS. Yeah. Well, in, so I don't think it actually has to do with a small game, small wave game. I think it has to do with his competitive savvy. I think that we've seen like guys get on tour like john john even where they can survive on their talent alone to a certain degree and then zeke paddles circles around him literally at bells and john john falls apart and he can't get a six so i think that the pointy end of the world tour is way too competitive like philippe uh idolo gabriel those guys are competitive machines and that, that'll actually throw a lot of naturally talented people off their game, you know, because often it doesn't just come down to surfing a wave well. It comes down to catching that wave and all that other stuff, or there's lulls. And so Jack can't rely on his savant talent alone. And I think that's why he suffered in the past. So it'll be really interesting to see whether or not he can sort it out on tour, because we have a ton of examples of guys who haven't been able to sort it out on tour. Chloe Andino took years. Uh Ethan Ewing, who just requalified. I mean, that guy has so much talent, and he failed the first. Let me ask you this: he was who, a rookie, win, who he wins a world title? Who has a better shot at a world title, Ethan Ewing or Jack Robinson? Great question. At this point, maybe Ethan. I think so too, because he's kind of done the hard yard. He got a rookie year under his belt, yeah. failed. He's coming back. He's yeah. got more experience. You're right. I mean, to get to your point, like, I mean, I guess what I was saying is, look. If we have seen the best of Jack, meaning, hey, he qualified for the CT, congratulations, you've made your career, good work, like that's it. It wouldn't surprise me based on his past. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not what we hope. That's not what we think. I mean, I wouldn't – betting. I would bet the opposite way, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if he has a fizzled out freshman year on tour, rookie season, and he doesn't requalify, and he's like – 
Uh, you know what? Billabong or who, what is it? Volcom. Somebody wants to send me on edit trips. I'm just going to surf slabs and be the guy. And I'm going to surf in, you know, the Tasmania event and whatever. You know what I mean? He'll just be Jack Robinson yeah. for like eight years. And I'll just do edits on him. And that I could see that happening. I couldn't. I feel like he has a desire to be a world champ. I'm not doubting his desire. Yeah. Well, what I do, what bodes well for him from a competitive standpoint is how cerebral he is. He's calm. He never seems flustered, you know? Like in post heat interviews, with all the attention that he gets, he still feels very humble to me, and he doesn't seem bothered or excited. And when he loses, he doesn't seem bothered or excited. He's just kind of very moderate, um, and I think that that will serve him well competitively. Yeah, so. I would agree with that. So next year on tour, what are the events that you think he could win? Well, Margaret River, his home home event. I've got that down. Obviously. G-Lan. Right. Chopu. Yeah. Pipeline. Yeah. What about J-Bay? I have J-Bay now. I've never J-Bay's s- big. I mean, in theory he could, but I've never seen him there. I have no data points to right. pull from to indicate that he would do well there. Well, what about the way he surfs at North Point? That's kind Different. of, kind of J-Bay-ish. He's getting barreled and doing airs at North Point. Yeah. So J-Bay, that's not that. what you do at J-Bay, really. Felipe Toledo does it. It's, and the, even the barrel at J-Bay, it's not a throaty barrel. I'm you just know? saying, You're like it's, picking it's, the it's eyes a out. fast, rippable, hollow, high-performance right-hander. And I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to go first-round loss at J-Bay. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> because actually, J-Bay is... you. It's all about pacing, and you need time out there to sort out that pacing. We've seen a lot of great surfers go out there and... Um, not sorted out for years. Felipe uh, imposed his own will on J-Bay and surfed it entirely differently. I don't think that's Jack's game. Has Jack ever even surfed J-Bay? I don't know, but I think Margaret's is... How did he do in Margaret's last year? I mean, to me, he just had this one moment at the box and it was insane and it was like kind of like what everyone remembers. But I don't even remember who won Margaret River last year. It was probably Idolo or... Actually, it was John John, wasn't it? Yeah, it was John John. And by the way, Jack surfed beautifully at Margaret. I forget where where he finished. I could look it up while we're talking, but um So the main this break is where we need a producer, the main break, the you think. You, you he think surfed he amazingly at main break. I remember him going right at main break and I remember him getting kind of skunked for waves in the heat that he lost, but up until that point, surfing really, really well. And that's his home break, by the way. So I mean, based on what you and I have kind of just flushed out. Jack could win the world tour next year. If he won <laughs> if those he, four if events. If he won three events. Yeah. Tahiti Pipe and G-Land. Yeah, he could. I'm looking up. That'd be pretty insane. Um, By the way, you probably saw this. I just saw this this morning. But um, Jack Robinson, he won the event. He could have won the event with his two nines thrown out. With his, his two top scores thrown out, his two backup scores would have won him the event. That's crazy. Isn't that cool? That's so cool. Um, he lost to Seth Moniz at Margaret River in the round of 16, which is round four. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I remember him getting kind of skunked for waves. But you see what I mean? Like, it's kind of like you remember, like Margaret's to me is like, yeah, maybe. Agreed. I mean, I know it's his home spot, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, he rips the box. I mean, if the whole, I guess what I'm saying is if the entire event was held at the box, he would be the winner. Or North Point. 
Yeah. But yeah, because I think, all of a sudden it goes to Margaret's main break, you're kind of like, nah, I could see him getting skunked. And sure enough, we have proof that. And I think that skunked is um, related to what I was talking about earlier, which is just heat strategy. So um, there's some controversy here. I know. And what's funny is I had this in my notes before Zeke posted his Instagram because I was watching that heat live. And when it happened, I just thought automatically that's an interference. It has to be an interference. And the commentators really didn't even allude. They really didn't even offer that up as an option. Um, I think one of them said Acc- it. The word accidental came out of Ross's. Yeah. Like it was all like, hey, it's cool. They're like, this happens. Accidents happen, yeah, accidents you know? happen in the ocean. I'm thinking that was avoidable, first of all. I don't think Jack. Do you want to explain what happened? No, you do it. Okay. It was early in the heat. Nobody had a foothold on what was going to happen yet. There was no real leaders, but Zeke Lau gets an epic wave. Well, before Get, that, Jack got a wave, so he's on the inside paddling back. Up. Correct. So Zeke then gets a good one gets shacked and as is the case with sunset there's a lot of what chandeliers and kind of bumps and you don't kind of know if he's going to make it or not so he's navigating it blindly basically and jack robinson is scrambling to uh paddling out towards the shoulder of the wave but ultimately he's going to be right he ends up being right where zeke is getting spit out so Zeke runs straight over Jack. Jack sees it coming a split second before Zeke hits him. So Jack bails his board. And it looks like Zeke kind of goes, there's maybe, let's say, two feet of distance between Jack and his board. The board being in front of Jack, kind of right in the barreling section of the impact zone. And uh, Jack just kind of ducking underwater and pushing his board in front of him. And it looks like Zeke goes in that two feet between the tail of the board and where Jack ducks under so um zeke is standing on his feet exiting the barrel runs over jack and falls is what happens no interference is called they both come up after the, there's a lot of commotion there's everybody's wondering if everybody's okay uh the commentators are confused the two skis go to help both guys actually at they first both have board no one damage. even no no one even really noticed jack at first they saw Zeke kind of get. And they're like, "Oh, that was weird. It was just a tough exit. Yeah. Uh, you know, it must have been a bump or a lump that you know, like." And then they, then there was some chaos. There were some skis going into the white water to pick up. There was some. There was yeah. an, an incident occurring. It, it, it appeared. And, and no, so and Chris Cote goes, "Hey, it looks like there's an incident." You know, and Ross goes, "Oh yeah, I hope no one's hurt." And we see the skis, and we see people waving for boards, and then it's like, "Oh yeah, everything's cool. They just they're all safe and healthy. Luckily, nobody got hurt, and looks like they both have board damage. Correct. Yeah. And you know, accidents happen, and that was basically the extent of the interference discussion before before they could even really fully analyze it. Jack's out the back and gets a sick wave, and now that's the conversation for the rest of the heat. Yeah. And then Jack gets two, three, four more, and it's the Jack show, and nobody talks about this incident moving forward. Yeah. In my mind, so I don't think that Jack did as that a, intentionally. As an end user, were you as caught up in his following rides, his nines, his 9.6, his incredible surfing, the, the history that we were watching, or were you in the back of your mind during watching it where you're going, but what about the interference? Because I wasn't. I was like, I like bought into what those guys said. I was like, yeah, oh, well, accident, no big deal. Move I, forward. Like I hadn't, I didn't. Come back to this until I saw this thing that Zeke posted on Instagram. I got caught up in it too, and I did forget about the interference because honestly, I figured they know best. 
I go, wow, that looked like an interference to me. And I was concerned about it for the next three minutes One because I wanted Jack to win. And I'm like, shoot, Jack's going to get his score cut in half or whatever. And when they didn't seem concerned, I just go, oh, well, they know best. Number one, the judges know best. So if they're not calling it, then number two, the commentators know best. So if the commentators aren't concerned about it, then maybe I shouldn't be concerned about it. So I went along with what you're saying, but did add it to my notes to discuss with you prior to Zeke publishing that thinking, we should discuss this. This is actually, it felt like an interference to me. Um, By the way, Jack I don't think it was intentional that he would block Zeke's exit. No. But Jack could have avoided that situation. He could have paddled the other way. I've been in that situation before. We probably all have. And it's more treacherous for me as the paddler to paddle to the right into the impact zone when I could just duck dive kind of the barreling set or before the barrel comes. But the guy's in the barrel. Like it's his wave. I don't want to block his wave. So I would put myself in harm's way and take the beating because that's what you do. As a surfer, that's what you do. Well, a couple of things. First of all, it's such a dynamic situation as that thing's unfolding because this wasn't like a perfect backdoor pipe barrel or whatever. Like it's sunset, right? There's, as you mentioned, there's warbles, there's sections, there's chandeliers. It even looked like Zeke pick the line and many times at inside sunset the wave picks you you don't pick the line you know what i mean like you just happen to see thing burps open and you're like oh shit i'm in this thing and and then a warble comes up the wave face and maybe you've got a higher line then so anyway it's just not as simple and clean as it could be a pipeline right so zeke's wave even before jack was in the picture was just sort of discombobulated and just it wasn't a super clean and smooth situation right and even i think ross said that it looked like Zeke took kind of a, a line that he like maybe his footing wasn't right and he, it wasn't really the line that was the ideal line and it wasn't like a clean exit either regardless of Jack Robinson and so I think the judges were like well we're surprised he even made it that far and we think maybe he might have wiped out prior to even Jack being there but again I'm just trying to read into what the judges might have been thinking. But the judges had the information. They had the benefit of hindsight because he did make it and they watched him make it. And it was clear that Jack was the reason he fell. He was fully, Well, he was going committed. to make it. It wasn't clear that he had fi- finalized the ride. It I, was the exit of the barrel. Right. But I'm saying that if Jack wasn't there, it wasn't a guarantee. I think it was. At that point, it was. He was fully planted, coming out with the spit. No, there was there was white water on him. He was kind of busting through a section. I looked at it. You should take a peek at it on the heat analyzer. But my feeling was it wasn't like this super clean, buttery, claiming you know exit. It was way more like, oh, shit, hold on. Anything could happen here. This is inside sunset, and I'm busting through some white water. And, oh, shit, I just ran into something. Yeah. He had the wherewithal to eject, though. So that indicates that Well, I'm not he saying he couldn't have made it. I, I would even argue there's probably 80% chance that he would have made it. But I'm just yeah. saying it wasn't super clear. That's not for the judges to decide. Like, if Jack I is agree. the reason that we're now having this conversation, Jack being in the way, yeah. then that's on Jack. Yeah, and th- that brings us to why we're talking about it. Because it is it is a controversy, and Zeke brought it up. And I don't know, maybe you should read what Zeke wrote. I didn't, I didn't write it down, so you could read it. But what I want to say is... It's not petty. This is actually Zeke's requalification was on the line. Zeke needed to win this event in order to requalify for 2020. And by virtue of this, he got second instead of first. So Zeke actually did all of the work required. And it comes down to this. For the rest, this is 
has huge implications for his career. This okay. isn't just a matter of making a heat. This no, no, I agree. It's crazy. A couple things. Um, the guys that stabbed did a really good job of pointing this out. And that Zeke's um, Instagram, when he talks about this, he never mentions Jack Robinson once. Correct. He uses the phrase, the surfer in white, which is kind of a, like, my hat's off to Zeke for kind of rising above the fray and just going with a real objective, like, look, these are the rules. The surfer was in my way. The surfer in white was in my way. So... I think it was good of Stab to acknowledge that Zeke was being really, really professional about this. And I would go further by saying I don't think that there's any personal animosity between these two surfers. Agreed. I have a feeling Jack probably apologized to Zeke like, hey, my mistake. I didn't. Maybe Jack didn't even see him on the wave, to be honest. Like Jack could have collected his board at the last minute, spun around, started paddling and not wasn't sure if somebody was in that wave or not. Um, so. Trying to read his thing. Yeah, I have a feeling, and but and I don't think that Zeke holds Jack personally liable for this. It's a matter of the WSL. The WSL is the one who made the mistake. In well, this. and this is definitely directed at the WSL. He said, "Going off the rule, surfer in white." <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> it's contagious. Going off the rule, surfer in white could, and Zeke capitalized could. Surfer in white could have gotten out of the way. From this video clip, you can see Surfer in white has enough time to make a conscious decision where to paddle. Just so happens that the line he chose is directly where I drew my line to come out of the barrel, which is the only option that I had. The surfer paddling out has options to avoid the surfer on the wave. He should be in the channel paddling back out. It should come down to who had priority over the situation. These two surfers are not equal in this specific case, and the rules should benefit the surfer on the way of utilizing priority. This ride would have been the first major score of the heat, but was deemed incomplete because the surfer in white chose to bail his surfboard, causing me to fall off, hindering the scoring potential of my wave, breaking my board, and leaving white with priority. How is it okay for the interfering surfer to, to gain so much advantage from a collision and an interference not be called? The highlighted rule 168 section 3 enables controversy and should be addressed. Thanks to everyone for all the supportive messages. Let me know what you guys think. Aloha. And that's what Zeke wrote. Um, Zeke's entirely right. There is a rule in place that if you take that uh, apply the rule to the letter of the law. Zeke is has been wronged in this situation. In your opinion, Scott, what can the WSL do at this point? The WSL, I think, has to admit their mistake. I mean, they did make a mistake. So right now they have to make a decision on how to proceed. What do you, what do you think their course of action is? Wow. You really put me on the spot here. <laughs> um Well, it's interesting, right? If I mean, if they they have two choices, they can go. This is the way that we uh, interpreted what happened, and based on our interpretation, what we did was correct. There was just this was just an accident, and the actual rulebook allows for some discretion in this regard. I don't. By the way, caveat: I don't know that to be the case, but I heard that on on the broadcast. But Zeke just showed an example of there's no discretion in this case here's maybe here's what I mean, happened here's the rule no discretion yeah i mean there's always discretion 
because you're dealing with this dynamic situation. It's never black and white. Because it's not a sport. Well, no, it's an athletic endeavor of the highest uh, degree. But um, So the WSL can either go, stick by their guns, basically what I'm saying. Option one is stick by your guns. Don't even say anything. Just be like, we already made our decision during the day that during the event. It was made. Like, no, no interference. Move on. Um, or they can review it and in, in their heart of hearts, all of them get together and go, you know what? We made a mistake. Um, let's put out a press release or however we do it and say, hey, um, you know, we reviewed it. In hindsight, it was a mistake. Um, and then how do you mitigate the damage this does to Zeke's career? Because this is huge. It's impossible to mitigate that. Well, you could put him on tour. No. You could find – you could that take – Take out number 10. Yeah, that's not... Who's number 10? Let me ask you this. Here's even a better question. Morgan Sibillic? If you took half of... like, So if you get an interference, you get your one high score and then half of your next high score? It depends on the type of interference. That's one type. The other type is you lose the second ride completely. Okay, well, do you know which one we would apply I in this case? I think this would be the first one that you said, where your second score gets halved. Okay, so then Jack would have a 9, 6, 7. Jack and still would have won. And a 4.5. I already ran the math. Okay, that's what I want. Okay, does he win using the other option? Where, no. Okay, he loses. He only has a 9, 6, yeah, 7. Exactly. Okay. So the answer is... So he, but he still would have won. Fair, that's so, not, well, my point is the WSL could go, look, we agree it should have been an interference, but doing the math, the results are the same. They're not the same, though, because um, you know, as well as I do, that the heat doesn't play out the same way if one person starts off with a lead. Like, it changes the yeah. dynamics. Yeah, if yeah. somebody posts a huge score yeah. right at the beginning, right. which Zeke would have if yeah. Jack didn't block him, yeah. then it would have thrown off Jack's headspace. In well, theory. I mean, we're in theory. you're assuming that, too. Well, like, also, they would no all be in different... That. But they would physically be in different positions. Yeah. Zeke would... Because uh, Jack would have had to paddle deeper. He would have got washed in. Zeke would have kicked out. He would have got priority on the way back out. It changes every dynamic. Yeah, the, that's true. You know? That's true. That's true. So but you, you started this whole thing off by saying that Jack's a savant. He seems to be able to will these things we don't even know what power he has that just seems to be able to find perfect waves and mean meaty situations and you know so we can't discount that i don't well i mean certainly it's so dynamic of course they're going to be in different situations physically if he had paddled the other way in an alternate universe i don't see it playing out the exact same no matter how you run the alternate universe right you don't you don't see jack winning no, I could see him winning for okay. sure, but it just plays out differently in right. every single scenario. Yeah, well, okay. the scores would not be exactly the same. Even, but we can run the math, and we can say that if you just got Zeke, if that happened, the judges applied the interference rule, and then if everything played out the way that it continued to play out, Jack would have won with the interference. Yeah, you're right, though. It's so interesting because what's even weirder is this concept that he got priority. Right. Like that's because his caddy got him his board quicker, and he got outside sooner. Yeah. It does feel like insult to injury. It does. I mean, I think Zeke has a lot to be more than disappointed and just kind of disturbed and upset about this. Is kind of weird. But, so, and a lot of people have chimed in on it yeah. on Instagram. So I think to answer my own question that I posed to you yeah. about the WSL, what they do? I think uh, they cannot 
fix the situation. They've created too much damage. It's irreparable at this point. And unfortunately, Zeke is the victim and he's going to get screwed in this deal. But so what do I, you say nothing if they're WSL? No, do you just move on? Because I think the WSL if, if needs... If you feel it's irreparable, then why keep like throwing lime in the, in the wound? Like, let's well, just look, let's move a pipe. I think the solution, I hate to even say this because I kind of hate when corporations do this. But somebody's got to be held accountable. There is a judge who made a decision. It's their responsibility. The WSL, as this kind of vague entity, this nameless, faceless identity, they can't, they're not responsible. Like, they can't get all of our ire. There is an individual who made a bad decision, and it is probably the head judge, or maybe, you know, or the priority judge, or I don't even know who that exact person is. And they are the ones who should be held responsible. Why so is it that they don't feel... would you feel good? Feel... Would Zeke feel good? Would everyone feel good if we fired this guy or somehow suspended him without pay for three months? Like, is I that, don't, don't going to gonna make everyone feel no, better? No, it doesn't need to be a firing or a suspension. It needs to have some resolution that you and I can agree with and understand. The WSL needs to be like, hey, uh, we, we investigated what went down in that moment. And right. here is uh, Pratamo. A rent. And here's why he did or didn't do something. Mm-hmm. And then Pratamo could even say, hey, guys, they don't actually imbue me with that much authority. I'm responsible to make sure that I do what my bosses want me to do. And then we can now hold the W. You and I can hold the WSL accountable in that scenario. You know, you and I are confused as to where there is this dark overlord at the WSL who wants to script things and want things to play out. And so right now we're confused as to where to place our blame. But realistically, if everything is on the up and up and there are checks and balances in place, then it should be Pratamo who is responsible for making this call. And it looks like he made the wrong call. And if he did, why isn't the WSL pulling him into the office and slapping his wrist and going, dude... Zeke's career is on the line. There's I'm, I'm not I'm sure that that has happened on some level. Are you sure? I'm not I mean yeah, I kind of am. I I, I kind of feel like after Zeke putting this out here and the entire North Shore talking about this that it's on everyone's mind. <laughs> At least if you're Hawaiian. Well, it's on everybody everyone's mind, but is it a a group decision of like well, how say- do we save face or is it where was the actual problem? Yeah, How did this even happen in the I first place? I can't speak if David, to that. If David Scales is in his kitchen cooking dinner, watching this on the iPad, kind of vaguely watching it and can see that it's an interference, but the head judge can't? Did you burn the dinner? No. It turned out <laughs> great. Uh, but how is that How is that acceptable? Well, I, I agree. I'm, and how, and I'm, we're not saying that it's acceptable. I'm just suggesting to you that I think we don't know that, in fact, maybe they are addressing it right now. They're like having meetings going, what, what, what's the plan? A week, of- a week later? Like they should have addressed <laughs> this before Zeke Lau does. You know what I mean? I'm not it's trying silly. to be an apologist for the WSL. I agree. I, it's, I'm, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's one of these untenable situations where you're like, should we just chalk this up for, shit happens and move on with our lives or look yes we've done that for decades now but this doesn't jive with the wsl's end goal okay, well, the wsl's end goal is to be the NFL. grow the yes to grow the business and to be respected legitimately right. in all these other ways and they're not behaving that way let's use the more NFL often than not. as an example this actually happened last year in the nfl okay there was an egregious um personal uh pass interference call in the sem in the 
like playoffs that cost a team their chance to go to the Super Bowl. Everyone in the world saw it. It was like the big talk on all the sports talk. It was like everyone was talking about it. It was an obvious pass interference that was not called. Very similar to this. An interference that was not called. And it cost the team their chance to go to the Super Bowl. It didn't just hurt one guy. It hurt 53 guys, their organization, their administration, and their 70,000 fans or more. Way more. Way more. Yeah. yeah. And what did the NFL do? They went, oh, shit. <laughs> we, we messed up. And they addressed it in the offseason. They implemented new procedures. They now allow for coaches to, to, to challenge pass interference if it's called or not called. In other words, if a play happens and you're a coach and you're like, that looked like pass interference, you can throw a red flag out there and have them replay it and look at it. Now, we're not surfing isn't allowed that because it's so dynamic and shit's happening right in front of us and the plays aren't stopped and started like they are in the nfl obviously just after this jack got an incredible 9.0 and then a 9.67 like within three minutes he was killing it mm -hmm. so debbie sell isn't afforded that luxury but the point is is that the nfl did do what you're saying they they addressed it it was in the offseason it wasn't right away i mean right away i think they were all they might have put out some press on it like yeah we're going to deal with it you know like anything to kind of tamp or tamp down the the disgust but so maybe that's what the wsl does maybe they put out a little thing that's like hey we realize we screwed up we're going to implement a procedure so that this never happens again it's unfortunate what happened to zeke we feel horrible we you know I, you know, but again, see, now you're getting into liability issues. Like you're getting into a place where Zeke could sue the WSL. As soon as the WSL goes, yeah, we were at fault and we've ruined your career. Zeke could be like, dude, I'm suing you. Like yeah, you just cost me, that's you just cost happened. me my career. They but did. That will happen. By the way, they did. Who did? They did cost. Me. No, I know, but but I mean, my <laughs> so point is, he has. If you admit guilt, yeah, in a in a press release, that opens up for Zeke's lawyers to go. Guess what? We're suing your ass. Right. So they've got to now get their lawyers in there and go, okay, how do we tiptoe around this? Yep. You know? So yeah. anyway, there's a lot to it. And a lawsuit could happen. Yeah. I could see a lawsuit happening. Yeah. This guy's entire career is pretty much gonzo. Okay. Will, so he, will he grind on the QS again or will he just hang yeah. out in Hawaii in November and hope to qualify for three, three events? He'd grind it out, I'm sure. Or I think pick, he pick will. Few, yeah. He now has to, and I think that he will in 2020. There's more 10,000s this year, too. Um, so that's a perfect segue into my next line of questioning for you, which is how do we feel about Zeke? Like, if Zeke, Zeke, every individual surfer has their own brand to consider, especially nowadays with social media and all that sort of stuff. And does Zeke, he has a couple of uh, marks on his record in terms of not just relying on his surfing to get through heats. He's often not requalified, and it comes down to Sunset, and he won Sunset two Didn't times. Didn't Kanoa and Igarashi get him through? Exactly. Yeah. And then it's kind of like he's relying on other surfers. If Kanoa makes a heat and eliminates that guy, then I get to qualify. So Zeke's whole career has kind of been marred by barely needing, hanging on. Needing help. Needing help. From somebody but else. But then you couple that with him paddling circles around John John to win heats. Like, the optics for Zeke aren't uh, stellar. Yeah, they're not. They're not black and white. They're right. not cut and dry. It's not. I'm sure that he's making enemies as this well as he's making fans. This silhouette's not going to be the new emblem on the WSL badge. It is not. 
And I'm not against any of that. I kind of no. want to dissect it with you. Yeah. I think that at a certain point as a pro surfer, you do want to look at legacy and you do like uh, Damian Hardman. When we say his name, we think tactician. That's not sexy. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. whereas we think. He would probably say the same. Yeah, totally. And then we think. Tells say, and then I say Sean Thompson and you think ambassador. Right. You know? Right. And he's Tom Curran, style. You know? Like, where does Zeke land in the legacy conversation? And that's something for him to analyze well, for himself. I don't think his career has been deep enough to even land anywhere. I don't. And I think in 20 years, if it stopped right now and you said Zeke Lau in 20 years from now, you wouldn't Footnote. be able to. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to put anything on him. Yet. Yeah. But it's a great question that you asked. And you're right. There is a lot of drama around Zeke. And part of me is like, gosh, is this, if we believe in karma, is this just kind of karma coming back a little bit? Or back maybe, from what, though? From what did he do wrong? Um, some could argue that, you know, hassling John John was kind of uncalled for. Yeah. I'm not saying that. I actually, I actually like Zeke in the same way that I kind of like Gabe. Like, it's good to have some kind of guys that are kind of like bulls in a china shop a little bit it's is good it? for you and me it's good for the brand it's good for end users to have conflict of course it's good storyline if everybody was not young we'd be like dude let's just go watch bowling or something you know like well i guess what i'm curious about is i don't is zeke a bull in the china shop i don't I mean i don't think zeke i think that there's a little racism happening where whoa, I, I do bring in the ism I, I mean, I do. Let me explain why. Zeke is a strong, like a intimidating figure in terms of physical aesthetic. And he's got tattoos and he's buff and he's taller and he's bigger. But I've never seen him actually do anything um, aggressive other than the paddling around John John. And his surfing's aggressive. But I've never seen him. He's always been a gentleman whenever I hear him in his posting interviews. I feel like it's the media and like the viewers looking at him as an intimidating figure and associating him maybe with Sonny Garcia's I gonna, tactics. I was just thinking that. You know, and it's like, no, he's never... I mean, his surfing is similar to Sonny, but I've never seen him slap a guy. I've never seen him punch anybody. I've never seen him get in a fight. I've never seen him even physically uh, try to intimidate anybody other than the paddling around John John, which, by the way, they're friends. They're both from the same place. I'm sure, like, John John wasn't physically threatened by Zeke. So I... I don't think that Zeke actually is. Where's the what, racism? Well, it's it's taking that with the Hawaiian like local going to pound you, going to give you false slaps if you paddle in front of me, you know. But are you false saying cracks. that this is why they didn't call the interference? No. So like I'm I'm not sure no, where no, no. you're applying the racism. I'm saying the racism would be from the general public's view of Zeke for his legacy. When I painted that legacy oh. picture before, like people are looking at Zeke going, so you're racist. You're assuming we're all racist because I'm assuming that's the, the general public vision that you have. I, I'm assuming the general public is projecting this Sonny Garcia stereotype right. onto Zeke. Yeah. And I don't think that Zeke's really done enough to earn that. Zeke has been a gentleman yeah, that's a with a huge Aloha. assumption. I see that happening. I mean, read the comments on Instagram. Uh, I, I didn't read any of the comments. A lot of the... Well, first of all... Actually, I, if, say, I did read one. I saved one from Johnny Boy Gums, which I thought was great. What does it say? Get the fuck out of the way. Back in the day, they would have got cracks after getting run over. Hashtag no joke. <laughs> Hashtag no joke. <laughs> so he's saying Jack Robinson would have got run over and then got cracks. 
Back in the day, yes. he would have got cracks he after would've. getting run over. No yeah. joke. Oh, yeah. yeah, he would have. No doubt. And but so that's my point is like people I think are we have this uh, stereotype of Hawaiian. Okay, let's talk about the stereotype. The stereotype is Johnny stereotype. Boy Gomes right, who's exactly. driving at home right now. Right. Johnny Boy. He's saying Sunny. Whoever, there's a bunch of like mean Hawaiian guys, right? Yeah. That are mean, like the um, Wolfpack guys, right? Yeah. Because okay, so that's the stereotype, right? So I think you're saying that the general public sees any dark surfer from Hawaii and puts that muscly with tattoos, right? Doesn't yeah. see Aloha, sees, uh oh, here comes some trouble for me. Here comes aggression, and right. I think they're all imbuing. Is that Zeke a correct that. assumption? No, because I, I no, I, no in I, general, based no, on I don't think the it's stereotypes a, that we mentioned, the Wolfpack guys, it's a historic Johnny Boy. Um, I mean, do you think that they that they sort of um, like just in Johnny Boy's um, text or, or reply, he he kind of is putting that out there that like we we would have hit you. Yeah, he's that is a true stereotype for that generation. I don't think Zeke has earned that reputation. Uh, to me, Zeke's exhibited aloha. So no, no, I, there's no doubt. I agree. But what you're saying is that the general public is putting that Johnny Boy thing on yes, Zeke. Yes. And and that stereotype is based on actions and experiences that, that Johnny Boy and those that crew from that generation put out there. Correct. So it's a not necessarily an unfair assumption for Joe Blow watcher guy, end user guy, to go, oh. it It is completely unfair because... You, this new generation isn't that generation. And if you just go by what Zeke wrote in his Instagram post, it was very non-confrontational. I like agree. you said, I he agree. didn't even use Super Jack Robinson by his name. And he didn't even make it personal in any way. He wasn't attacking. He was just explaining, here's the rules. So I would say Zeke's post flies in the face of the stereotype. It's the opposite of the stereotype. I totally agree with that. It's only more fuel yeah. for me to go, Zeke ex- conducts himself with aloha. So you're saying that the replies were racist it was based kind of on their own yeah, it was experiences kind of, with past generations I would of say it was pretty surfing. strictly divided between Hawaiians, which were saying exactly what you, you just read, right. going, yeah, you're right. This was ridiculous. And Jack should, they all took Zeke's side. And then non-Hawaiians basically were saying, this guy's a complainer. This guy needs to shut up. It You can't, you know, who cares? Yeah, you got aggrieved. Suck it up. That's what happens in life. Mm. It was pretty clearly divided. Well, Zeke did do a really good job of, of a professional Instagram that was thought out. And I mean, I don't think the WSL could be more pleased with the way Zeke presented the situation on his Instagram. He, he, he was the opposite of Bobby agreed. Martinez. Agreed. I, I haven't seen one misstep on Zeke's part in any of this. Yeah. I think Zeke... He was his back was against the wall with qualification. He surfed beautifully throughout the event. He got into the final. He got the wave he needed. He surfed it beautifully. Something happened to him that was outside of his control. He did not freak out about it in the water. He didn't even throw his hands up when Ze- when Jack won the event. Zeke paddled over and they embraced. Zeke hugged him at the end of that heat before they got out of the water. Zeke got home. He didn't complain. He didn't rush the judges' tower. He didn't throw rocks at the judges' tower. <laughs> all last Sunny Garcia. I kind of miss it too. <laughs> he went home. He waited a few days. Probably consulted with people that mattered to him. Yeah. He Jake Patterson reviewed the footage. Yeah. Articulated a response. Probably edited the response. Exactly. And then published it with all of the video footage to illustrate what happened and the rule itself. Yeah. Without any personal attack. 
Zeke's the man in this situation. And by the way, Jack is as well. Jack yeah. conducted himself really yeah. well. So it's where do we go from here? What, what do you think? The, the WSL, WSL needs can... to point the finger at the person who made the mistake and be like, "Hey, we're going to reprimand and rectify, and now put rules, new rules in place would, for how we handle this." Which situation. is what the NFL did. Yeah, that's what needs to happen. And what would those rules be? Do you think? Like. It seems like all the rules are in. They got plenty of rules. And they got plenty of camera angles. It's too. more like policy. It's not even rules. It's, it's policy. A, it's policy and procedure. Yeah. And so maybe at Sunset you have more than one priority guy. Like maybe you have a crew of priority guys. It might as be soon as you see a yeah. situation, those three guys, they don't have to keep their eyes on, on priority that's happening at, in real time, they can stop, go look at footage in a back room, wherever, and not be worried about, oh my God, I'm supposed to be watching for priority as it happens Correct. in real time. They can then take a look, do whatever they need, make a decision, come back to the judges while another guy's doing priority in real time. Come back to the judges and go, hey, guess what? We got an interference. And then they make the decision. That way they didn't lose eyeballs on the water. Yeah. And they've got guys that are... Ha- which is kind of what the NFL does now. The NFL now goes, you know what? We're going to send this to New York, and there's guys in monitor, on monitors so this, in New York watching. This sol- One thing that we talked about years ago would solve this. Yes. This is the ultimate solution. Judges in Santa Monica. Yes. The judges do not need to be on site. The fact that you and I, in our respective homes, were caught up in the storyline of Jack you know, getting a bunch of nines right after that, don't you think the judges were too? And the judges were on site. You're, they're even more subject to all totally. of that energy. Totally. So. Even if they had the best of intentions and they had that inkling that I had, which was, wasn't that an interference? They're responsible for scoring every wave that comes through. And it's busy. And it's busy. And all the energy on the beach. And you can hear the on-site announcer. And you can hear the cheers and all this stuff. So they're absolutely subject to that. There's no reason for them to be on-site. They should be far removed. They have enough camera angles to review everything. And that's so they, a- need to, they need priority and interference judges at each event. No. Or in away Monica. from each event. Well, my point is they need a, a crew. Right now, they don't have a separate crew. Yeah, they have a priority judge. The main crew should be not and, on site. Right. That's that's sort of secondary to what I'm saying. I agree with you, and I've, yeah. I've made that case numerous times with you. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is to solve this problem now at each event, there literally is a crew of judges, three guys, and all they do is. They they wait and if there's a priority situation they go and they review it and then they report back to the judges as quickly as possible with the decision. Meantime, there's still a priority judge on site, real time, with eyeballs on the water, yep. and of course the regular judges that are scoring the heat. Yep, I agree. Okay, so we just added to the the expense. We added a line item to the WSL's expense. I don't know. Maybe it reduces the overall expense because there's no T&E with sending those people around the world all the time. Well, I'm, I'm okay with, I mean, the line item has to be there. Like we, we can't be worried about expense, but I'm just, I was going towards that place that you just went, which yeah. is, guess how we solve that expense? Yeah. No T&E. Yeah. Everybody comes home. Right. We might need a broadcast team on site. Yeah. I think. I'm okay with that. But not very many. Maybe just two. You could have a crew in the studio, which they do in the NFL. Like they have six people in a studio in New York. They're in a game in Green Bay, and there's two guys in the booth and a chick on, or not a chick, but a sideline reporter <laughs> on, the, on the. Usually, it's a beautiful girl, but a smart, beautiful girl. Uh, so yeah, you got three on site, and you've got a whole crew in the studio in Santa Monica. 
A um, couple of other things through the event. Jordy Smith got injured, so he's he went back home to California. He went here to San Clemente, California, to rehab or just to get it looked at. Um, so he may or may not serve Pipe Masters. And he is in world title contention, so that'll be a huge problem for him if he doesn't serve Pipe Masters. One other person that I wanted to talk about in the event didn't get enough discussion, and maybe we need to make some memes out of this. Wesley Dantes. <laughs> this claim? His, his whole, his his whole, whole persona, over, like yeah. everything about yeah. Wesley Dantes is pure He's like Beetlejuice. To me. He's it's like Beetlejuice on Howard Stern. <laughs> Dude, so Wesley Dantes is the younger brother of uh, Wiggly. Wiggly Dantes. And I saw Wesley at the Visla event in Sydney this year. And I was like, is this guy... Does like, he carry is himself he, that way all Is the time? he Wiggly's bodyguard? Like, I'm not quite sure who he is. Or is he just in Wiggly's crew? And like, I know... And then I realized who he was. And I'm like, oh, I've seen his name through the QS. And he surfs well and all yeah, that. Yeah. But watching him in this event was pure comedy to me. In that... I think he thinks he's way better than he is, but then he would luck into these barrels yeah. and somehow navigate them yeah. and then come out and claim them unbelievably hard and get like a six. He would like bruise himself. He was claiming yes. it so hard. He was hitting himself he's in the punching face. punching himself in the face and like stomping on his board. I'm sure he put a bunch of pressure dings. I'm sure he ruined the board that he was riding for his next heat Does because he-, he was so excited. But Does he think the excitement and the claim helps his score? Like it seems like he's like the more the more I punch, the more my score is going up. Hundred percent, he does. And he would find himself with thirty seconds left, needing a score, and then he would get shacked. This happened like three times. I know he'd get shacked and get the score. And so, I mean, he wasn't the best surfer in the event. He wasn't even close to the best surfer in the event. He was kind of a one-trick pony. Like he's got power and he'll land a turn once a heat. And pig dog the hell. And out he'll of pig dog. He'll happen to get five epic barrels in his life at sunset, and he got all five in this event. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so he he's he comes out of him going, Oh yeah, I'm gonna become the next Mr. Sunset. Like, watch me, here yeah. I come. Yeah. Watch. Next year he's gonna lose round <laughs> Move one. Move over, Jeff Hackman. Yeah, exactly. Here I am. And I'm watching it kind of realizing that. It is for what it, I was realizing it is it what it is. It, but the fact that he like really thought this was his arrival on the scene yeah. and was claiming so hard and then the score would drop and it'd be a six so you're, was so good. You're saying that we're not going to see Wesley Dauntis too much more? Like, Are Have we seen the best? Of, is this his peak moment? Yes. There's no more Wesley Dauntis? Yeah. No, like, dude. Like he's not going to win a 10,000 QS somewhere, you think? No. no. I Where? Know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just I'm putting you on the spot. I mean, which ten thousand could he win? Which event could I mean I don't know. did you watch him surf? I mean he surfs good. Yeah, I mean it's just like one of the many. He's I mean what it, I bet he's ranked two hundred and something. Like yeah. is he better than that? No, I, I think his rankings reflect beautifully. Where he is? Am I wrong? Well, I mean, no, was it not pure wrong. comedy? It was. It was. It was. It was entertaining. There is no doubt. It was awesome. That he. He t- saw his moment of limelight and just cranked up the heat. Yeah. And by the way, uh, Wiggly Dantes, he did better than his brother Wiggly Dantes, who was on tour, who was actually a far superior surfer. Like, Wesley earned it. I'm not taking anything away from him. But it was just pure comedy to me. It was awesome. Who else? What else did you well, have Well, look, I have my annual sort of diatribe about the Vans Triple Crown, right? Bring it. 
here's who's the top six guys for the Vans Triple Crown. Okay? Oh yeah, I'd be curious to know. So here's the so the Vans Triple Crown is three events. It's the the Hollyiva event, the Sunset event, and the Pipe event. Those three events are the three jewels in the crown of the Vans Triple Crown of surfing. This very prestigious, um, illustrious, you know big deal if you win the Vans Triple Crown it means you, you made your mark in Hawaii and you're the real deal and so the leader is Ethan Ewing with 10,000 points um, no more than that sorry Ethan Ewing Frederico Marias Jack Robinson Matthew McGillery Wade Carmichael and Leonardo Fioravanti those are the six guys that have a shot at it the next guy down is way down in points. Of the six guys, only two of them, the last two, are even in the Pipe Masters. Okay. So this is my annual sort of beef with the Vans Triple Crown. Yeah. They need, and they have needed for a long, long time to rethink what the Vans Triple Crown is. This happens every single year. And how do you expect us, David and I, and the rest of the viewers to buy into the legacy of this you know, supposedly great thing to be the winner of the Vans Triple Crown if it's obviously broken. Yeah. And I think it's broken. It's been broken every year. I have the same rant. Jack Robinson could win the Vans Triple Crown, but he's not in the Pipe Masters. I have a feeling they're going to grant him a wild card into it. I agree. They have to. I looked. I've been looking. I think they need to. I mean, yeah. that's a no-brainer. But that. But Matthew McGillery, he's only 500 points below Jack Robinson. Yeah. There's no way they're granting him one. No. From South Africa, no one even knows. He already flew home. Ethan Ewing, who deserves one. Deserves? Because he's, he's the Triple Crown leader? Yeah. Yeah. He's not You're on right. the CT. No, he, he just qualified. Right. So he'll be on 20. But he's not going to be able to win the Vans Triple Crown. Right. Or maybe he is. Maybe that's the other thing. Maybe all these guys can win it without even being in the third event. But they have a lot less likely chance without the third event. So, yeah, you're right. It's, it's broken. Frederico Marias is in second place. Yeah. He's not going to win the Vans Triple Crown. Nope. And so... He has in the past. Yeah. It's it's a it's a bummer that yeah. it's broken and nobody really deals with it. And right. they always do it. This, this is how they deal with it. They're like, well, there's usually one or two guys that are in the running by the pipe and we'll slide them in. Exactly. Well, this year there's six guys. Yeah. Four of them aren't in it. And they're the four leaders. Yeah. The bottom two guys... The guy's got 9,000 points. Leonardo's got 9,000 points. Yep. 3,000 points below Ethan Ewing. Yep. So it's always a problem, and they always just sort of like, go, oh, well, it is what it is. You know, nobody cares. But I'll tell you who cares, these four guys and their careers. Mm -hmm. And I think it's lame. It is lame. And it needs to be addressed, and so here I am waving my – and I don't know how they would do it. It's it's, it's a It's a tough one. Now, there are trials. A lot of times they're like – well, we'll put those guys in the trials. But guess who's not in the trials? Wade and Leonardo. They're on the CT. They're seated into round one. So it's kind of not fair. So they'll... And I'm not even the sure solution. these guys are in the trials, by the way. I looked and there was no trial seed. A seating hadn't been... I like been. how you spelled Leonardo. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> That's his name, Leonardo. Um, by the way, the solution, which I will then argue against... Yeah. in a moment is yeah anybody who's in contention for the triple crown or like the top five guys let's say who are in contention for the triple crown get a berth in the pipe masters full stop 
Except the argument against that is, why do you have to make all these special accommodations for pipeline that you don't have throughout all the other events in the year? Because by the way, there's 32 guys on tour who are vying for their rankings and all this sort of stuff throughout the year. Why should in the final event they have to deal with all of these new circumstances? So I kind of don't agree with that, even though that would solve the problem. Um, man, WSL has a lot of messes to clean up of precedents that have been well, made for my, the last decade. My feeling is they won't do anything. They're just going to do like they've been doing forever, which is like, uh, nobody cares. And and really, that's the thing is that I'm st I, you and I have been saying, you've heard me say this last year. I said this to you. We want to care about the Vans Triple Crown, but it's really hard to give a shit when you're not even like, Figuring it out. Yeah. Now, what about this option? What if you make the final jewel the Vulcan Pipe Pro? Now, Vans and Vulcan aren't going to be too stoked on that. Maybe. I don't know. So, the but that allows all the QS guys yeah, to surf perfect. in it. That's perfect. But so, it, the Billabong Pipe Masters isn't the... It still takes place. It's just not the Triple Crown event. It's not the third jewel in the Triple perfect, Crown. Perfect solution. The third jewel is the... And then, what's cool about that is it makes the Triple Crown spread out throughout into, like, the end of January, right? Don't they run yep. the Volcom in, like, mid-January or yep. even into February, I think, sometimes, right? So, the third jewel could be the Volcom Pipe Pro, and now you've, you've spread out your marketing about the Triple Crown even longer, you're, and... And you've solved this issue. Yeah, Look you, at me. you solved it. I solved it. Did Doug Palladini, right take now? note. What's that? Did you just think of that right now? No, no. Maybe. Yes, I did, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, by the way, Wesley Dantes is ranked 33rd on the QS this year. So Dude's qualifying. Congrats. He's going to be him. on your fantasy team. I know it. He's definitely not, but um, he's definitely not qualifying either. But congrats to him. Look, we went over these world title implications. I don't know if we need to go over them. We're going to hear them when we watch the pipe event. But basically, Elo needs to win pipe, and he wins his world title. And if Elo finishes second, Medina and, T and Felipe need to uh, will need a first to claim their title. Idolo, say again, Elo needs to win pipe? If Elo wins pipe, he wins his world title. Right. If Elo finishes second, Gabe Medina and Felipe Toledo would need to beat to win, right. to claim their world title. But and then everything. If, Ferrara, if Italo places third, Medina needs a second. Toledo and Jordy Smith must win the event. Yeah. So basically, Italo has the only guy that owns his own destiny. And Gabe needs to finish essentially a heat ahead of him throughout the earlier rounds in order to beat Italo. Basically, so like if they lost, Italo can get fifth, and Medina would need a third. Exactly. Yeah. So that's exactly what it is. Gabriel needs to finish a heat ahead of a Italo. heat ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the forecast models are looking good. Are for, they? For pumping pipeline. I knew I could rely on Probably that. the second day of the waiting period, the 9th and 10th, I bet we see it run. And it's going to just continue to pump. Like the, the North Pacific is pumping. And the waves have been pumping here in California. I mean, I've been surfing hard. Isn't it nice? Yeah. It's so, And I love the crisp mornings of like autumn. I always forget, except now it's like the water's warmer than the air. Now, now it's kind of dropped a little bit, but I love when the water's a little bit warmer than the air. So it's early morning. You're kind of dreading getting changed and all that. And then you get in the water and it's actually really nice. Conditions are clean. I've been wearing my 4.3 Neat Essentials. Me too. I transitioned into the 4.3. Mine's yeah. from like two years ago. I'm still wearing it. Wow. Um, you know what else I'm wearing? <laughs> I spent the weekend. I spent the... Some sort of spray or manscaping thing? or <laughs> Yes, and... 
Uh, I spent the. What's going on with manscaping, by the way? <laughs> have you been manscaping? Are they still our sponsor? No, but have you been manscaping? <laughs> Why not? Well, because you never used the product in Taco. No, it's not me. It is you. Shut up. Yeah, they listen. They're like, that guy doesn't even use it. No, I've, I've been using it. Have you really? Yeah, I've been taking some gray off of the middle of my chest. Oh, right here. Have you? Yeah. Okay. Well, good for you. Yeah. See if they'll throw you a few shekels. Uh, <laughs> manscaping no. bailed on us, huh? No. What? I spent the holiday in Big Bear. I'm going. I saw your pictures. I'm, I'm gonna. Say. I'm gonna hit it again this week. I'm gonna go ski. Uh, Need essentials outerwear, dude. Oh yeah. Need essentials snowboard pants or ski pants is what I wear them as. The shell outer jacket. I might need to get. I'm going up to Montana here pretty soon. Are you really? Yeah. You don't have that stuff. Hank has it. Like uh, Rob was really cool about sending it to Hank. Yeah, dude. I'm psyched on it. I am. I've worn it in previous years too, but I. Uh, put it away in the garage and just pulled it out again for that trip. The stuff is flawless. Tech gear, super warm, neat essentials. Not just everything you need for the ocean, but what you need for the mountain too, Scott. I know. Well, you know, Hank's, my son's got a job on the mountain. He's going to be working in Big Sky. That is amazing. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, he's psyched So because he's, he's really into snowboarding. Good yeah. for him, dude. Well, when you watch those... Um, Need Essentials films like Torn Martin and Laurie Towner. Oh going, my God! Going to the North Atlantic, um, Norderland was the film last year. That's the gear that they're wearing in the snow. I mean, obviously they're wearing the wetsuits too, but that outerwear stuff—that's all Need Essentials as well, which you and I have not okay, talked so, about nearly enough. So NeedEssentials.com. Well, I'll Need Essentials. This my must-see moment is Torn Martin in that new movie on the light side. Yeah, in which is brought to you by Need Essentials in the Indian Ocean. Indo, yeah, Desert Point, Nias. You know what Green I like? Bush. Have you seen it? Yeah, you know what I liked about it? It's insane. Waves of consequence. Totally. Like we've seen Torin getting styly and shredding at rippable waves, you know, or or point breaks and stuff. But it was nice to see him surfing some juicy, threatening, shallow water waves. And it kind of the one part that Nias was gnarly. I know on a twin fin. But what's gnarly or what when his board comes when he comes out of the barrel and his board's like chattering, you're yeah. just like there's so much speed under that that board needs an anchor on it. <laughs> he needs a third fin. Well, it inspired me to get a new board. Which I, I, a new I one haven't too. I haven't done yet. Oh, I got one. You did. Okay, so we needed to have more board discussion. That's the one email I get constantly throughout the years. Oh my god, I got like, so many boards. You guys need coming. to talk more surfboards and what you're writing. Okay, so I got but, a wait, torn. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. So the torn Martin thing. I did get the 610 mid-length that he was riding last year at J-Bay and the Mexican Point Breaks. And I love that board, and it's amazing. But now the slightly shorter version that he's riding in this video, I'm like, dude, I need that one now. And that's, by the way, what Steph won Stab in the Dark or the Electric Acid Surfboard Test. Yeah. She picked that shorter version that is the twin with the channels from Simon Jones as her winning board. And that's what Torin's riding in well, these. No, the one in this one is a 610, I thought. Some of there's the, a few of them. Yeah, there's yeah, a few yeah. different boards he yeah, rides. But yeah. I saw a 610, I think, at the beginning when yeah. the, there's a board floating in a pool or something. Okay. Or in, a, in the water. Well, he is riding the shorter one as well. And the shorter one I'm looking at going, dude, that thing is what I need. Well, I'm, I'm going down from a 7.2 to a 6.10 and so making some riding, tweaks to so it. So you're riding the Seikel. Yeah, Ryan Seikel. It's the Sabre model. Ryan Seikel. And we've he's a great surfer. and So I like working with shapers that are... I mean, I like all the shapers, but it's fun when he and I, we see eye to eye on, on like how we want to surf, basically. And uh, so we've shortened it up a little bit. And we've, we've, I want the thicker part of the board moved up into my chest area just a little bit. 
and then have it taper and foil down to the tail nice and thin. And I've added a little bit more of a performance rail up to the midpoint of the board. This one I have now is a little bit softer and 50-50-ish in the middle of the board. So I want a little bit more of a tucked edge up to the middle. And then we ran the, the concave further up where there was roll under my chest. Now there's concave there and now there's roll up in the nose more. But so anyway, we made some tweaks on it and we so narrowed up the nose just a smidgen. Does the board have channels? Yes, channels okay. off the tail, twin pin. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's the same board, just slightly tweaked. 7.2 is too long. I thought that when you told I've, me what you got. I've been enjoying the shit out of it. I've been yeah, riding yeah. the shit out of it in big waves and digging it. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that we can transfer the same volume. That's why I want to move some of the thickness into my chest area so I can still paddle like a beast. But there's moments on the 7.2 where it's a little chattery. I get so much speed on the thing. I'm like, whoa, I got to burn some speed off here. Like it's just. Do you know what the thickness is? It's like two and five eighths. Yeah. So mine from Simon Jones at Morning of the Earth, it's 6.10 and it's. Um, a lot of volume and the volume is forward and so it tracks it has certain things that it does really really well like it tracks really well and i can actually swing that weight that front weight and like through turns but it's never going to go vert and it's never going to really even on cutbacks you more want to cut down and then go into the bottom turn rather than like fully banking off the whitewash you know mm -hmm. but i had so much fun riding it and didn't even really acknowledge those deficits like i just was really enjoying the benefits of it um, and it was working really well in one foot waves and overhead waves. Like I kind of loved it in all conditions, but then Matt Parker at album loaned me, he and I are the same size. So I think he built the board for himself and it was, I think it was inspired by exactly that board that I was talking about the Simon Jones one. So it's a mid length, but it's a little bit shorter. My Simon Jones one is six ten. Matt Parker's is six, six, nine, I think, or six, seven and there's no channels and it's asymmetrical and it's much more foiled and thinner and so i picked up the board and i'm like it's an entirely different board basically like yeah. i can't even really compare no, this sure. to that for sure it is but i write it in the same conditions you know it's kind of like whatever conditions i would consider writing the simon jones one in i'm now considering the album one and to be honest i haven't gotten back on the simon jones one since and i've fallen in love with the album you're not giving it back <laughs> i mean i mean sorry matt that happens to him a lot oh, by I'm the afraid. way make me one too <laughs> sounds like a good board i kind of don't even want a different one i'd rather just have that no one. you do yeah for sure just don't give it back I just know. Go, give, what's the number write exactly. the check yeah because if you order a custom one it's, they're never the same well the benefit of this so i'll i'll tell you what translates and then what the changes are so what translate is is paddle power i can get into all the same waves i was getting in with that other board on it works in all the same conditions it uh doesn't quite have the projection that that other bigger board had where it's like i would just stand and kind of like settle into my heels and the thing would project forward this i kind of need to like like squat down into it and push it a little bit down for it to project um but it allows me to kick the tail like i'll be bottom turning and i see it like the lip I wouldn't even think about hitting on the other board. This, I can actually aim it and it goes vert into the lip. And then I notice the tail like kicking through it because it just has... Does it have future boxes? It does, yeah. You know what I'm going to suggest just as a test? Yeah. What kind of fins does it have? Large True Ames twins. 
Okay, what I'm going to suggest is you get one of those future Rasta keel fins. Okay. And put it on your toe side. Okay. So it's and a just keep the fin. same fin on the. No, it's it's base here. You know, it's a yeah, keel. it's more base. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's you know, it's like. Okay. Know, it's a keel fin. I have one. Yeah, I'm sure you do. I have. So I wanted to get. So put one of and leave the other fin the same. Yeah. Okay. And just see what happens. I like it. And tell report back. Okay. It might be a nightmare, but. Yeah, yeah. Because you have an ASIM, like let's just do ASIM. Like you right. don't need the same fins. Yeah. Yeah. But I love the zing that this board has. Like the zing is the difference. Where well, the reason I said this, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm yeah. just gonna tell you, I'm going. Let's get more base because you're you're not getting the same projection you were getting out of the Simon Jones right. board. So a little bit basier toe side okay. fin is going to give you more drive. But when you do that, you're going to get that same zingy pocket turn off of the right. heel side fin because it's. It's not as basey of a fin. So right. you're going to get that and that. Yeah. And okay. it's ASIM anyway. Perfect. I like it. And thank you for talking me through it. Yeah. Um, I had a moment on it where there was a kid like playing at the end section of the wave. Like I was on the inside, surfed away to the inside, and there were some kids in the water. And he was like, I went to hit the end section. And had I been on the bigger board, I would have kind of projected in, into him and there was just a moment where as i'm hitting the section i realized i need to actually turn this down and tight and the board responded like that like on a dime as i'm mid end section going i should probably tweak this back a little bit so i don't put that kid in harm's way and the board responded in a way that was like instantaneous in the moment full control landed the maneuver away from the kid and was like oh gosh if i was on a bigger board I might have projected towards him to make it too close for comfort. I probably wouldn't have hit him, but he would have been sketched out, you know? Hmm. So uh, I'm a big fan of the board. And by the way, big fan of the mid-length, dude. The mid-length kind of makes everything more fun. You know what? When you're middle-aged, mid-length is the new short board. I might be middle-aged. I might <laughs> yeah. have transitioned into it. Look, we're 18 at heart, but we're 40-something in body. But not longboarding, you know? Like, we still want to try to rip. Um, hey, Scott, you know what we should do? We should take a quick commercial break to hear from our sponsors before we wrap up the show with the Honolulu Bay Comp, the Olympic qualifiers, the Duke and Kook, the right. Messi moment, my right. Messi moment, all that stuff. Spy? No. Who? We'll be right back after this. <laughs> Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. 
linkedin.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Scott, we are back. Why aren't those ads making you happy? You're not buying Blue Apron? No, it's not that. It's just that, you know, the, uh, gotta um, give, give them some time. To... Yeah, that's what I figure. Um, so one thing that the WSL might want to analyze, they were running two events simultaneously, the Vans World Cup of Surfing and the Lululemon Maui Pro for the women's side. Do you what? wear Lululemon? I have one pair of Lululemon shorts that I wear, yeah, out hiking, basically. Wow. Um, they look, <laughs> you would not be able to tell they look like I, I have shorts. some too. Yeah. I have some too. Uh, but where did, how did you divide your time? What was the percentage that you watched the Sunset Comp versus the Honolulu Comp? I watched zero Honolulu Comp on a live feed. Yep. Me too. And I watched the Honolulu Comp. I watched, I heat analyzed the Honolulu Comp. And I watched, I brought up the quarterfinals and any heat that had like a heat score of over 15 or 14, I would scrub to those two rides. And I did the same in the semis and then the same in the finals. I watched the best waves basically from the quarters on through. And how did you feel about those waves and how they were surfed? I thought they were great. I, you know, it's, it's, it's Carissa and Sally and Tatiana. I didn't think surfed that good. I think her boards didn't look very good. Um, and then, um, Steph, Tyler, st- yeah, Steph Gilmore, Lady Diana looked great. Tyler, I didn't really watch any waves of Tyler, right? To be honest with you. Yeah. I should have. And I thought about it. I'm like, oh, she's back. We should see where she's at. But I'm all about Carissa and Steph and those girls rip and I like watch them surf. And But it's a problem that, uh, you and I have very little interest in watching it and it's not due to our own preconceptions or disposition it's the fact that it's not as exciting like it's not nearly as exciting as the sunset comp they're not those the girls don't hate each other they actually love each other like her (laughs) her and steph or tyler and steph going out for the final they hug before the final it's like no this is where you should be wanting to cut her throat you know like they're and i know that's not their natural um it's so funny but it's just not exciting to watch and i go back and i watch the same things that you watch and it's like all right. I mean, they're surfing beautifully, but it's tepid and it's not really like thrilling to watch. You know, I've been telling you this for years. I know they need to really ramp up some sort of element of interest. Yeah, you know, they do. It's problematic. Well, here's from, what's funny. from a viewing standpoint. You know who was that cutthroat person was Lane Beachley. Yeah, like Lane Beachley was gnarly. You know what I mean? You didn't want to cross Lane Beachley. And she dominated because of it. Because everyone else was like, whoa. It was like you had to tiptoe around Lane. And there was a few girls that, you know, put up a charge with Lane. Um, but And when that was going down, I think the general consensus, and maybe I'm speaking too broadly for the public here, but it was kind of like, Lane's kind of gnarly. <laughs> you know, like the general consensus was this isn't a good thing. And now we're like, Oh, where's Lane? We need Lane back. I, I, we need some cutthroat competition. We need some people pissed at each other and and some hate going down. You know, to to 
you, you all sport needs rivalry. It's just a known fact. It's not some brilliant um, no, insight it, I'm providing here. And I don't think it needs to be aggression and hate. I think it no, there needs to be rivalry and drama in other ways. Yeah, but true rivalry is sort of backed by uh, a dislike. A, it's backed by ego. You know, it's backed by I want to win way more than you than you want to win, and that's an ego play. And mm-hmm. and. And when you have ego play, you're going to have ego clash, and then you get good moments, you know? And that's just the nature of sport. Well, I feel like Courtney Conlog has that. I agree. I think Tatiana has that. I totally agree. Um, unfortunately, Tatiana hasn't quite lived up to my expectations. Um, and by the way... I think Carolyn Marks has it, too. She, oh, it has, yeah. Nobody's really... She's still like the cute new fresh kid on the block. But, but yeah, I think she's... she's she, she's you know, she brings a lot to the, By to the, the way, table. And I love sure Courtney. I, I love Courtney. Courtney Conlog to me is like, she could kick your ass. For sure. She you know does. what I mean? Like, yeah. and so I dig that. And I think she's, she's, yeah, she's going to be good for the tour and already is obviously. But I mean, as, I mean, look, how long has Steph been on tour? And Carissa too, by the way. I, I, I remember interviewing Carissa at the, I don't know, the Quicksilver Roxy Pro in like 2000. For being, and it's, she's still really young. She was 14 then. I know. That's the thing. She or even younger, really young. maybe. She's like Jeremy Flores, where they joined so young, they're on for a decade, and then you hear their age, and it's like, no, they're 26, but they've been around for a decade, you know? And it's shocking. Well, and eventually, but, look, these girls, Steph and Carissa specifically, are going to phase out. If it's not next year, it's going to be the year after that. Or, Chris will be around for five. I mean, you, you know, maybe. You don't know. Women are a little different because they've got this motherhood thing going on. A lot of them are like, it's time to settle down and have kids. And once you do that, you know, it's, you know, I mean, I don't want to speak for, I mean, look at the, um, Lisa. who? Lisa Anderson. Well, I was going to say the tennis. Um, oh. What's her name? Um, who's the really rad tennis player? The really rad one? The sister. One of the Williams sisters? Yeah. Serena or Venus? Yeah. Serena. She just had a kid and came out and just mopped up on everybody. Yeah. So I'm not saying the drive isn't there, but I mean, I can't speak to the motherly intuition. But usually when you have kids, you're like, okay, it's over. It's time to just focus on my children. And it gr- certainly inhibits the women's side of the tour more than it does the men's side. Yeah. And um, so you think that Carissa's got a husband now, right? Yeah. And does Steph? No. Lady Di doesn't have a husband. She, Dude, needs, a, back, she needs a husband. You want to hear a rumor? Uh, from a year ago it's not exactly news i saw her with spike jones the film director spike jones really yeah cool like at a movie premiere like holding hands like a year ago she was like yeah that's pretty rad yeah spike jones is rad yeah like he's a-list yeah that would be cool but he comes from the skate world so i think that was the connection is he probably has a fondness for surfing and oh i see um so i guess what i'm saying is i think the woman's Tour has, is in a good place with Carolyn and Courtney and Tatiana and there's probably a few others that I'm missing. Even Sally, Sally's been around a long time too. Fitzgibbons, right? Yep. So there's perennial some f- bridesmaid, by the way. I know she's the Shane Haran of the whole deal, <laughs> but but she, you know the women's tours, it's in a good place. But they're Courtney. Courtney's going to help. I, I would love it if Carolyn and Courtney got into a little rivalry thing where it was a real well, so, deal. Okay, so the one thing that I was looking forward to in this event was Lakey Peterson. Her too, like, by the way. So Lakey, like, I mean, really fighting for her world title and this, by the way, uh, the, her Olympic birth also. And More she, birthing. Huh? She lost both, B-E-R-T-H. Oh. Oh. She, lost like both, she lost both of those things early in the event. 
So it was going to be her versus Carissa and Caroline was in contention too, but it was mainly Lakey and Carissa vying for the world title. And Lakey really needs to do better than Carissa in this event to gain some distance on her to win the points. And that'll shore up her uh, Olympic qualification as well. Because if she doesn't, then Carissa will get it. Or I'm sorry, Caroline will get it. Once Lakey was out of competition, I was like, eh, that's all the drama. The drama's over. Now I don't really care who wins. And by the way, Carissa won her title early in the event. You know, she didn't have to like go to the final. So as I saw those news thing, those things happening in the news feed, I was like, oh, I don't even need to watch anymore because the one thing, the one element of drama, whereas on the men's side, there's all these different dramas happening. The one element of drama and rivalry and contention and all that is out while i'm out so um it does exist but and it isn't an aggression thing by the way for them it was like that was just a pure competitive rivalry uh one element of interest is coco ho got bumped off to her really which is kind of surprising that is surprising. she's a perennial yeah um she's marketing gold yeah and less surprising is sylvana linema got bumped off she's been bumped off a number of times um who are the new girls that i'm not sure yeah i'm not sure that says a lot yeah if david doesn't know (laughs) he's really (laughs) lost the farm so uh wct men's editions this year yes for 2020 yes frederico marias jadson andre yago dora matt mcgillivray jack robinson which is the first new he and matthew mcgillivray are new additions alex ribeiro miguel pupo is coming back Ethan Ewing is coming back. Connor O'Leary is coming back. David Silva has shored up his requalification. And Morgan Sibilic, um would be the last contender. So there's that. Okay, go through that list again. Let me let me hear. Federico Moraes. Federico, I don't need him on tour. Go ahead. Boar Fest. Next. Boar Fest. Okay, what's the next one? Jadson Andre. Don't need him. Love Jadson. Love Federico. Don't I'm, need him on tour. I, I've... Been against Jadson for ten years. He's finally won me over. I want him. He's gonna. He's gonna not qualify. He's going to surf ugly. But Look at thirty third, thirty third, thirty third, thirty third. Look at a fifth. No, but he's gonna. 33rd, 33rd. He's going to throw himself over the ledge at chopes at pipe. He's gonna get okay, injured but, once but or in twice. But in the big picture of things, what I'm getting at I is, know. I want to trim this tour down to twenty four guys. Yeah. So keep going. Yago Dora. Yes, I want to see him. I, I I'm on the he, fence. He hasn't. His potential still not beat. Go Correct. Ahead. Uh, Matthew McGillivray. Okay. Don't know. Don't know. Right. Don't know. Jack Robinson. Yes. Alex Ribeiro. No. Don't care. Miguel Pupo. No. Don't care at all. Ethan Ewing. Yes. Yes. Connor O'Leary. Yes. David Silva. No. Morgan Sibilic. No. I'm on the fence with Morgan Sibilic. I haven't seen him enough to know. So I think I said yes to four or five guys, yeah. right? So now if you looked at the CT list, I, you and I could easily pick 15 guys that we don't need to see. Yeah. And we replaced those 15 with five that we do need to see. Now we're down to around 28 guys, yeah. which is what it should be. Yeah. No more than 28. It needs to be 24. It needs to be a two-day two events. Yeah, I agree. The swell runs. One swell. One swell. Yep. Uh, or I'm okay with... One swell and then wait for the finals to be legit and a good swell. I like it. But um, whatever. By the way, side note, when we were talking about the women, why has nobody investigated Tyler Wright's absence for the last 18 months? 
and she comes back, makes the final, which is a that is an absolute storyline. But also, the commentators don't even reference where she's at, which makes me think they all know oh, why sure. she was not on tour. Yeah. And there is something nefarious or just there dark that nobody dark. wants to talk about. Somebody, where's Stab when you need him? This is why the surf industry is lame. won't tell those. That's my point. This is why the surf industry is like... Where's all the surf journalism? Where's the investigative journalism? Where's the Brad Malekians? So what where, in the hell where happened Scott? to Tyler What's your Wright? Thought? My thought? Yeah. She joined ISIS. <laughs> she's a member of friggin' ISIS. Dude. ISIS, is, ISIS is all but disbanded, so that's no, why but she's No, but she's like got this new arm of ISIS. It's like the Australian women's arm of ISIS. Okay. Yeah. So I have no idea what happened to Tyler Wright, but I could throw out a bunch of... Um, conspiracies, but I'm not gonna because it's it's not very responsible to do that. But well, if you just throw the word conspiracy out there, everyone else will run with it. So let's just well, do let's that. let me add to it. What do you think it is? What do you know? I don't. I don't know. know shit. I don't know anything. But here's I'm gonna add to the conspiracy. Yes. All three of the right kids yes. that are on tour. Yes, they're all ISIS members. Have all disappeared. Right. Not under suspicious Maybe, circumstance. Are they Jehovah's Witnesses or something? Not under suspicious circumstance, but definitely they've all disappeared in ways that other World Tour surfers haven't. They've all had excuses and they're injury-related excuses. So maybe it's not an excuse. Maybe it's some gnarly family thing, but, like their father's dying or something, and they just don't want the public to know about it. But they were all at different times, too. Yeah, well, everyone had to take care of the father at a different time. They couldn't all three do it at the same time. Well, now I feel like a jerk. I'm just saying. Who now knows? I feel like a jerk for bringing it up. When you throw conspiracy theories out there, it could be the total opposite where you feel like a jerk. You know. Gosh. But what's your point? What, what are you saying? edit this whole thing out. Um, <laughs> what's the deal? Are they, I don't know. I'm they, just saying there's something going on. Like, are they running for office? Or they, No, I think I want to think it's nefarious. I want to. What would you, I want to think it's what, what? Dig deeper. What's nefarious? What do you mean? Three guys? Like, that they're all struggling with some emotional issues that are spinning their lives out of control despite having all the potential and promise in the world. Mm. That there's some internal thing going on in each of them uh, that, you know, that they can't quite uh, navigate on their own. And they Mm -hmm. can't navigate it with all of the vice that's accessible while you're traveling the world on tour and all of the fast pace and all of the attention. It will come out if they stay on tour and all these cameras are in their face asking them these questions and all of the... Uh, intensity of the pressure of the con- the contest and all that, these things are going to bubble out and become public knowledge. So instead, they take a year off. They shy away from the limelight. Therapy, like maybe, emotional maybe, therapy. Maybe they get therapy. That's for what it. Stab needs to ask them. Just like throw the mic in their face and be like, "How was the therapy?" And I don't mean the physical. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, it's just sus- suspect that Owen it does it, Mikey does it, and Tyler does it. By the way. Owen's example made sense, or Owen's uh, excuse made sense to me. He got a concussion, head trauma. Okay, that's something you want to take seriously. Mikey Wright's made sense to me. I think it was a knee, like an ACL, because he does giant airs and tries to land them. We have video evidence of all of this. So that makes sense to me. But less sense than Owen's, considering the length of his absence. Now, Tyler. (laughs) What are you? Irritable irritable bowel syndrome. The Tyler's, bowel syndrome? the Tyler's thing, oh, no, impacted was it was what the excuse impacted was when she first bowel like she had like some she went to Africa got some stomach bug and then like had like impacted bowel that was like the first two or three events that's what they were saying. Well, we're not but then doctors. she took like Maybe a she's... year and, and a half off. 
Huh. And she she did come back super skinny, so maybe it was that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying each excuse like got you. less believable. Okay. Yeah, impacted bowel syndrome is one I wouldn't have pulled out from. I mean, you got to have a good well, a- agent to come up with that one. <laughs> that's the <laughs> yeah. Right. That's the whole issue with it. It's what are we going to say? Out. My excuses. How about impacted bowel syndrome? Next time you miss a podcast right. due to scheduling conflict, I want you to come IBS. up with <laughs> come up with. <laughs> well, you know, suffering from some IBS. Started as IBS, turned into full blown diarrhea, and I'll be uh, out for a year and a half. <laughs> David, I'll see you in twenty twenty one. Oh my. Um, so I've got a Duke and a Kook and a must-see moment. I have a must-see moment. I already said it. You already said it. Need right. essentials. Yeah. Is, is Spy still our must-see moment? No. We don't. Do we have a sponsor? We need a sponsor, folks. Step up if you want to be a sponsor of the must-see moment. Definitely. Yeah. Um, mine is, I want to have a debate with you about it because I'm really conflicted. Carol, Kelly Slater's new Natural High video that Peter King shot. Mm. Did you see this? It's no. two minutes long. No. I don't know who the organization is. They're called Natural High. I know who they are. It's John Sunt. He's a Blacks local guy. And oh, he, okay. He's from a like a pretty famous Sunt construction company in San Diego. He's well off. Owns a house above Blacks. And his brother, I, I don't want to butcher it, but I think his two brothers died from drug overdoses. And so he started a nonprofit about you know don't take drugs you know life is a natural high that's basically it cool so that's what kelly says peter king interviews kelly it's two and a half minutes of him like hey what is your natural high is the question and so kelly talks about surfing of course and then goes into the ways that alcoholism has wrecked um some of his like his father was an alcoholic and he opens up about how that damaged kelly's kind of upbringing and his siblings and um how somebody told him at one point that like, look, look around at all the people that you know who are successful, who are living lives that you would want to live. Is alcohol an important part of their life? And the answer was no. So Kelly, it became crystal clear to Kelly that he wanted to make an impactful you know, change in surfing and alcohol wouldn't be beneficial to that. So it was an easy decision for Kelly to focus all of his energy on surfing. And then he goes further to say that it actually prohibits his surfing. Like if he drinks, then he tries to wake up in the morning. He has a harder time, you know, achieving his goals in surfing had he been drinking the night before. So there's just no upside to it. Therefore, don't do it. So uh, the part that is contentious that I want to discuss with you is, wasn't he in Michelob Ultra ads last year? (laughs) Weren't those ads running during the Super Bowl? Like, yeah. How do you jive these two things? So I, I congratulate Kelly on the natural high piece because I loved it and I was inspired with it. Yeah. And I was actually thinking, oh, I got to curb my alcohol intake because Kelly is 100% right. Intellectually, it no, I agree with everything that Kelly's saying. It's the message that I wouldn't want to pass to my kids, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's the message I would like to convey here, except I'm also going to do a diatribe next week on my favorite you know, California Chardonnay, when you ask me what I should pair with my Thanksgiving, you know what I right. mean? Like I do drink alcohol and sure. I actually enjoy it and we talk about it online. So I could call Kelly a hypocrite for taking money from Michelob and then- <laughs> You've gotten drunk online before, haven't you done- For sure. You and Chaz, didn't for you guys sure. get drunk? For sure. Yeah. So, and I'll Instagram about alcohol too, yeah. but then I also feel conflicted because it's like, yeah, Kelly, I agree with your messaging and I also love my wine. Okay, let me explain Kelly's- Kelly's relationship with Michelob Ultra, right? So Michelob Ultra is this like low carb beer for the, you know, highly active, highly successful techie guy that wants to 
unwind after yoga with a couple of beers. And I mean a couple, like two, maybe only one, maybe one and a half. That's the beer for the guy who can drink a beer, order another one and only drink half of it and let the other half just sit there, <laughs> which is difficult for some of us to comprehend. So you're, you're saying that fits with Kelly's ethos? Yeah, Michelob Ultra, one or two of those has nothing to do with like drinking a 12 or a Natty Light and taking a bunch Passing. of bong loads. So, I, by the way, you're right, because Kelly's message in the natural high thing wasn't abstinence. Yeah. And it also wasn't moderation. It was just what I said previously. Yeah. So you're right. Michelob Ultra could jive person. It does. Perfectly it's it's actually Kelly's. the perfect beer for... Okay. He's Solved. like the perfect spokesman for Solved. It. Yeah. Yeah. Done. Cool. Boom. Must-see moment. Kelly's drop. natural high. I'll yeah. post it on spitpodcast.com. Yeah. It is worth Peter, saying. I'm not shaming Peter King does a great job with everything he does. Most everything he does. I mean, I can't think of one thing that I, I like seeing Peter King stuff pop up in my feed. Yeah, Peter's. Um, it's man on the. It's a what he Gonzo journalism or like guerrilla kind of filming where sticks a camera in your face. There's no pre-produced questions. There's very little post-production editing. It's just, hey Kelly, how do you feel about this thing right now? Tell me immediately. And there's it's low fi. Ultra. <laughs> it's low fi, and then he. Smash cuts it together, you know, just like cut, quick cut, quick cut. And it's you get two minutes of super impactful information. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I'm a big fan. All right. Well, my Duke happens to be Kelly Slater also for making Jackson Dorian his caddy during the sunset competition. Oh, how great is that? I did not see that. Dude, the waves are pumping. Jackson's what, 11? <laughs> <laughs> and they got smashed in the whitewash. They oh missed time to paddle out, and they both got stuck for like three minutes just getting smashed. Oh, my and God. And Kelly, afterwards, I think he might have been talking to Peter King. Kelly was like, dude, I was really sketched. Even I was worried about do- making this paddle out, and I look back, and Jackson is underwater for like way too long. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I thought I was going to have to rescue him. I didn't even know Kelly was in the sunset event. Yeah, he got a, did like a beach entry. Um, so Jackson is Kelly's grandson or godson, yeah. and he's also – Shane Dorian's yeah. son, biological son. Will Jackson yeah. Dorian be on the world? How old is he now? 11? Will he be on the world tour in eight years? Yeah. At age 18, 19? Yeah. Yeah. He will be. At age 19, will he be on the world tour? If he wants to. As the CT. If he wants oh, to. Oh, I don't think. Why wouldn't he want to? When you're an 11-year-old kid, that's all you've known? No, it's not all he's... That's the thing is that's not all he's known. He's known big wave surfing. He's known hunting. He knows skating. Like, he's a really good skateboarder. Oh, okay. So he could go any path oh. that he wants. Oh. The world is his oyster. Wow. Yeah. And so you're saying he will be on tour? Should he choose to be, he will. He's talented right. enough to right. be. Yeah. So, bravo, though. I mean, that's a great move for Kelly. Like, yeah. Kelly's going, look, I don't need that's to worry so about cool. points. I don't need to... Like, but Jackson, this will be awesome. That's so, gnarly. That's a heavy is, thing to do. For sure. And I think everybody obviously was watching. For sure. Yeah. Uh, my kook, he's been a kook previously for me this season. So I'm just Wesley Dantas? Layer it on, dude. William Cardoso. <laughs> the big panda? What do they call him? Kung Fu Panda. Kung Fu Panda. Uh, definitely needs points to requalify. Definitely needs to do well at sunset. And he surfs his heat without a watch. And can't hear scores, can't hear the time. So he's literally waiting for, like, he needs a wave. He needs to know how much longer is in the heat. And he's looking at the beach, trying to see. He can't see. He's tapping his wrist, asking for that announcer to call out the time for him. Over so that over. he knows. Yeah. How kooky is that move? <laughs> is it? 
Yes, it's quite it's quite panda like. Your I mean, career is on the line, and having a watch is hugely beneficial for you in this scenario. Something that a black and white bear would do. Definitely not have a watch on. If is the panda on the endangered list? Because by the way, he is going extinct. <laughs> oh my god, he's Gonzo. Gonzo. What's his next move? I guarantee. You know what his next move is? He's going to be a coach. He's going to be a coach for the Brazilian team. I could see that. Okay. What is he going to coach them to do? Not wear watches? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He's probably going to eliminate that part to of To not it. go when the waves get big and barreling? <laughs> oh wow. I don't know what Kung his selling, selling point would be as a coach. Maybe I'm wrong. You bring up some good points. I think there. his move is go home and open a business. Go yes. home. Be the local hometown hero. Do Airbnb surf experiences. No, no, it's Kung Fu Kumbacha. Kombucha. <laughs> yeah, kombucha. Thank you. What did I say? Kombucha? Kung Fu Kombucha. Nailed it. That would be a good it move. It is good. It is good. That, I don't know if we're on the downside of the kombucha trend or not. Or has not, it hit Not in Brazil. Brazil. Yeah, they don't, they don't know. Well, Kung Fu will make it happen. He's, I agree. He's Kung Fu Kombucha. Panda Kung flavored. Fu Alkaline Water. Panda flavored. <laughs> Every eucalyptus, bottle has a eucalyptus small... flavor. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, that's no, koalas. that's koala bears, yeah. Dang. What no, does a panda eat? Bamboo. Ice. Bamboo. Bamboo. Bamboo, Bamboo flavored. flavored kung fu kombucha. Kombucha? Kombucha. Kombucha. Nailed it. This guy. Gosh. You're going to give us a percentage of every bottle sold. We need also, in addition to a full-time producer, we need a graphic designer who can design the artwork for the kung fu coconut kombucha so that we can meme that out in uh, two hours. Yeah, we need a meme guy. Yeah. I'm trying to be the meme guy. Well, it's, every you, once you do while, a lot. Every once in a while. You need I help. Need, yeah. I mean, My heart's in it, way. though. I would prefer that my legacy in history goes down as the... Greatest surf memer, because the greatest surfer is not in the option. No, no, it's I mean, not in the plans. There's no long, way that's long gonna... gone. Right, uh, but like surf podcaster, I'll cast aside. I don't even care about that. I want to be the greatest surf memer of all time. I just haven't devoted the time and energy that it would take to take. Why don't handle. you become the greatest father of all time? Uh, I'm working on it. Oh, I'm working on it, look Scott. Where you go. Yeah. What do you got? Trying. Like Tinder gone? Your your thumbs are working. Can't, Tinder. I can't get a recept. I can't convince a receptacle of oh my. my God. <laughs> Lady dies. Stephanie's available. Stephanie. Is she? I don't think I have what it takes. Like she I think would you not do. be impressed. I don't know. She seems like a cool chick. I think. No, she seems super cool. I think you I think guys she should. She sets her sights a little bit higher. Yeah, maybe. Filmmakers that work with Joaquin Phoenix. Ooh. Not podcasters that work with Scott Bass. Did you see The Joker? Not yet. Oh, my God. So gnarly. Is it? It's pretty gnarly. Is it good? Yeah, it's good if you're. It's like a tour de force. Joaquin Phoenix, just like absolutely incredible. Absolutely the greatest it's uh, incredible. actor of our generation. He's. It's incredible. Yeah. Like, and he just carries uh, the whole movie's him. And yeah. he just friggin' mows through this movie with the performances. Now, it's a little dark and it's a little, if you're, if you're expecting more than just, um, you know, a character development movie, you know, like a, it's just a, it's, it's just, let's learn who the Joker was as a young man. You know, like there's no, and, and, he, it, and it's very dark. And he is a sociopath. Yes. Right? I yes. mean, that is, well, I, I won't give it up, but, but he, that's not a spoiler. We know what the Joker does in. Yeah. This movie is a, this movie precursor. puts a twist on that though. Okay. Yeah. It's a precursor to the Joker becoming like this evil person. Sinister. It's a really I love incredible, it. uh, performance it's kind of it's kind of dark it's it's i love it it's love not dark. like an uplifting movie no. it's gonna you're gonna leave it going oh my god did i waste my time just now no. and then you'll realize the performance was so incredible that i didn't waste my time because it was and 
Todd Haynes, the director, I love the director. I mean, I've he's the in, he's the ultimate anti-hero. Like you leave some, you leave part of the time you leave the movie going, I'm kind of pro Joker, <laughs> kind huh. of pro Joker, even though he just you know. He, well, that's amazing storytelling yeah. they can make you sympathize with them yeah that's that's it there's some empathy there. a terrible terrible person he's a terrible person and you're kind of it's kind of like you know how like with the guy in breaking bad you're kind of like yeah he sells meth but i'm kind of on his side tony soprano that's the same yeah all yeah. that anti-hero thing and and this is like this pushes it to the limit like am i really leaving the movie kind of cheering for the joker right now i think i am but i shouldn't be yeah you know kind of yeah. like that anyway um, good movie by the see. way uh I, the reason why I haven't seen it is I just don't like going to the theater as much as I once did. But I saw it in a theater and there was no one there. Yeah. Except for one guy that, with a dark hoodie that looked sketchy. By the way, what if you were just like a low-level drug dealer trying to get by, like in the city, slinging weed on the corner, and a guy shows up out of the dark wearing a bat costume and breaks your arm and disappears? That would be bad. That would be crazy, right? If yeah. that happened in real life. Yeah. some like I mean, put it in real terms. Take yourself outside the fantasy of right. knowing who Batman is in this movie scenario. Okay. If you were just literally in New York City and you had like your regular clients that you show up, sell them drugs, or they show up, sell them drugs, and you're hanging out on the corner and you're like waiting for a drug deal and this guy pops out out of the shadows wearing a bat costume and you're like, oh my God, and he breaks your arm and then disappears. <laughs> I like that you call them clients. <laughs> you know, you're just waiting for your clients. Because <laughs> that's what drug dealers are. They're business no. people. It's not... I mean, no. the movies make them sound they're like they're clients. like these they're, nefarious... They're bros. They're like, like <laughs> yeah, sneaking through the alleys. No, they're just normal people. I don't know if they're clients. Like, how funny would that be? <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> how funny would that be? They're more like bros. They manage it using Salesforce. They manage all of their clientele using <laughs> Salesforce. Like, oh, I haven't talked to so-and-so in about three weeks. I need to revisit We need this. a sales Let me check meeting. in on it. Um, okay, my okay. final thought is, did you watch The Irishman on Netflix yet? No. The new Martin Scorsese I, I film? Want, I need to. Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci comes out of retirement. It's a crime film about Jimmy Hoffa's disappearance. Yeah. It's like nine nine episodes, or is it one long movie? Three and a half hour long movie feature on film. Netflix. On Netflix, directed right. by Martin Scorsese. Okay, yeah, I got this. is This is big on my list. Thanks okay. for reminding me. You're welcome. What about country music? What about it? Did you watch it? No, uh, I forgot. No, I it's, a, it's a it's a gnarly deep dive, and it's 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 a long Ken slog. Ken Burns yeah, yeah. documentary, but I will, I will. I'll it's put it. it's there's moments of really good stuff, and there's long periods of. There's a big story to tell, and he tells the whole story. And The Irishman, it's kind of the same way. It's three and a half hours. I know. Well, on Netflix, you can just stop and like. Which is the best thing. Like, I honestly would not have watched it in the theater. Yeah. Because that's way too long. Yeah. But yeah, watching it over the course of three different viewings was worth it, and it is spectacularly good. A lot of people are um, dismaying or uh, dismissing it. Yeah because of the length and it gets boring but it's actually not boring like it was fully engaging throughout and scorsese is the greatest american filmmaker of our time like he's amazing and it is beautiful epic story really really vile people who you totally sympathize with uh de niro always plays i feel like de niro always plays de niro it's kind of nice to see him not take playing this terrible like um he takes terrible work all the time. So it's nice to see him working with good material. Pacino doesn't go all out Pacino. Pacino can be Scarface, like, you know, over the top Pacino. Pacino plays down a little bit, which is good to see. And Pesci is the best Pesci you've ever seen. It's good. <laughs> Pesci truly is the guy where you're like, I don't even think he's acting. Like, that's just who he is. 
he's better in this than I've seen him in anything else. <laughs> like he, it doesn't, I don't even feel like it was Pesci. You it mentioned really best good. filmmaker of American filmmaker, Martin Scorsese. What about Marty DeBerg? Don't know him. This is Spinal Tap? <laughs> he's the documentary filmmaker for This is Spinal Tap, Marty DeBerg. Is he American? Look it up, bro. Can't believe you don't know. I'm gonna guess you don't know that he's American. Of course he's American. It's Marty DeBerg. Okay, I'll look it up. This is Spinal Tap. All right, sorry, I didn't do my research. Hey, clearly. Okay, until next time, adios and aloha. Good luck.